Some big news this week. Sunday Scaries Varsity Crewnecks are back and can be pre-ordered at sunday-scaries.shop or by going to the link in the description of this episode. It's a limited pre-sale, so please act accordingly as they won't be available for very long. Last week was also an exciting one. I was proud to announce the release of my scented candle collaboration with Vellabox, featuring two classic candles and two brand new ones. The launch was a massive success, but the good news is that there are still candles available. To shop them, head to the link in the description of this episode or just go to vellabox.com slash sundayscaries to see the entire lineup. But without further ado, my name's Will DeFries, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. A good Sunday is a productive Sunday. At least that's what the internet will tell you if you're Googling how to avoid Sunday scaries. But full disclosure, yes, I do like a good productive Sunday every once in a while. And through a pandemic that stopped us all from going to bars every Friday and Saturday, productive Sundays have more and more become a thing. But when I say productive, I don't really mean, you know, that all out, straight up productive feeling. Sunday productivity is much different than a Monday productivity. Sunday productivity may include a leisurely walk to get your heart rate up, or maybe it's just cleaning out your DVR, organizing your Tupperware cabinet, anything that can take less than 30 minutes but make you feel like you actually accomplished something. Monday productivity is a different beast. It's getting your inbox to zero. It's scheduling out the rest of your week and getting the lay of the land. It's the type of productivity that actually tires you out instead of just making you feel that Sunday feeling of accomplishment. But unfortunately for most of us, some of those Sunday chores feel insurmountable. Whether it's a hangover, fool's gold playing on TBS, or just downright laziness, many of these chores end up taking a backseat to the things that we want to do rather than the things that we need to do. These, my friends, are the worst Sunday chores to leave for Monday when you're already hating everything else because of work. The first is laundry. As far as laundry goes, it's one of my favorite chores. This is mainly because it takes minimal effort despite being something that takes a few hours to do. Folding laundry, especially towels, is borderline therapy for me. It's organized, smells great, and it's five minutes of actual work that makes you feel like you did a lot more than you actually did. But when you save it for Monday instead of Sunday, that's when we run into the problems. A common problem is starting laundry on Sunday afternoon or Sunday night only to forget that you were doing it all together. And come Monday, you've got two options sopping wet clothes that smell like mildew and have to get run through the washer once more, or wrinkled clothes in the dryer that needs to get run again. Your laziness creates more work for yourself than you originally bargained for, but you know it's a problem that has to be taken care of sooner than later because, you know, laundry piles up. And if you save all of your laundry for Monday evening after work, well, have fun folding your clothes when it's 10.30 p.m. and all you want to do is be in bed watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine reruns. Our next chore is something that I have a large love-hate relationship with, and that's grocery shopping. Going to the store on Sunday means the following. Long lines, picked over produce, sales on leftover fish from Friday, and crying kids in their parents' carts. I love going to the grocery store, but that goes for pretty much any day but Sunday when the rules seem to go out the window. But there are benefits to going on Sunday as well. You get it out of the way when you actually have free time, you can use the time after to meal prep, 
and you can get a good start on Monday by having a healthy by having just a bunch of healthy food at your disposal. Saving that grocery shopping for Monday is simply a dicey game to play. You and I both know that you're not going to do it over your lunch break, so you face heading to the store during another peak time, between 5 and 7 p.m. on Monday evening. You're surrounded by people in business casual all vying for the same healthy foods that make them feel better after a calorie-filled weekend. You lazily buy ready-made food for dinner that night since cooking dinner and going to the grocery store feels like climbing Mount Everest, and you've already have had, had a long enough Monday as it is. Do you really want to go there? My hack is just if you're up to it, go to the store first thing Sunday morning before the hungover crowds and masses make their way out of their apartments. Just thank me later for that one, even though it's not much of a hack in the first place. Additionally, we have our next chore, cleaning your place. Whether you're a 23-year-old with empty Miller lights on your coffee table or a 34-year-old with a kid at home, cleaning your place is essential to just being a productive person in society. I hate it as much as anyone, which is why I'm a neurotic organizer who cleans most days of the week, but sometimes the laziness does set in. The clothes on the floor, also known as a floor drobe, becomes less useful and more of just a pile of laundry. It's kind of a nightmare. The dust begins to build up in the corners of every room, and there are just bits of dried food all over your kitchen counters. Out of all the chores that we discussed today, this is by far the most labor-intensive, which in return means that it's the one that needs to be done on Sunday the most. You never want to return back to your apartment after the sun's gone down on Monday only to see a messy place. Sure, you can do some organizing then, but it's more likely that you'll just eat dinner and get in bed, turn off all the lights so you can't see the mess, and you'll just swiffer the hardwood later in life. Even if you just do a quick once-over vacuum and a brief wipe down of the counters on a Sunday afternoon, it's better than living in what looks like a college apartment until the next weekend arrives. And finally, the chore that I'm 100% most likely to save until Monday, and that's doing the dishes. It's so lazy. I know, I know, I'm not proud of myself either, and you may be wondering what I hope you're wondering. Really? You can't just manage to do something as small as the dishes on Sunday? And you're completely correct with that criticism. My wife and I normally enjoy making a large and involved dinner on Sunday nights. It falls somewhere between a habit and a ritual, but it's just what we've become accustomed to doing. And that long and involved dinner, once it's completed, pretty much every last thing that I want to do is clean up after myself. If I can fit all the dishes into the sink so they're not visible from when I'm sitting on the couch, I normally just try to do so. Unfortunately, that leaves me with a pile of dirty, smelly dishes come Monday morning when I get out of bed to make coffee. The food is dried to the plates, the cast iron skillet looks like something died in it, and the dishwasher full of clean dishes stares at me like I'm the piece of shit that I am. The worst part about leaving all those dishes in the sink? The smell on both Sunday night and Monday morning. And as good as the new Sunday Scaries candles smell, even those can't outweigh the dinner that you cooked Sunday evening. This week's episode is brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone just like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun is here to help. Theragun is a handheld percussive device that releases your deepest muscle tension using scientifically calibrated combinations of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no better substitute for that than the Theragun Gen 4. Their OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns your behaviors and gives you suggested guided routines. 
I started doing a, a lot of Peloton rides during quarantine, and it's something that I've been doing a little less lately, but that means that I need a Theragun more than ever. And whenever I do it or have my wife do it to my back, in five or ten minutes, I feel like I had just gotten an hour-long massage. Sometimes I'll just sit on the couch doing it to my shoulders because it just feels like someone's giving me a shoulder rub, and the relaxation that I feel after it is just incredible. I use this almost every single day, and you absolutely should too. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and most of all, me. Try Theragun for 30 days at only $199. Go to theragun.com scaries right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com scaries. Theragun.com scaries. If you go to the now-defunct website Man Repeller, the first thing you see atop their homepage is red text. It just says, this site is no longer being updated. For a lot of people, this was a jarring revelation at the tail end of what felt like an untimely and unglamorous demise. For others, it was cold and brash, like having your significant other of 10 years dump you via text and immediately block your number. And for some, those seven words signaled the final shovel of dirt being thrown onto something they seemed to find problems with. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's both fine and understandable, and I won't really get into it. Their website's about us is, or I guess was, pretty simple. It said, Man Repeller was founded in 2010 as a blog about style trends women love and men hate. And while I probably wasn't their target demographic, especially based on that, their website was in my daily rotation of reading. Think about your rotation once your internet browser opens. And I'm not talking about when you're at work, I'm talking about when you sit down on your couch with your laptop or iPad. For me, I've always known what my rotation is because my style of surfing the internet has been ingrained in me since my parents got our first Dell. There are websites you have bookmarked on your browser bar, the sites that you, when you open a new tab, it's like muscle memory for you to start typing in the first few letters of that URL. For a lot of people, it's straightforward. Twitter, Instagram, one or two news sites, and a blog or three. I still type in M-A-N and expect Man Repeller to be updated. Sometimes I even find myself typing in G-R-A-N-T in hopes Grantland magically reappears. These were staples in my online routine, so ingrained that even years after Grantland shut down, my fingers still have that itch to type the URL without registering their demise. A large part of my career has and was ingraining myself into people's routines. It began at my last job at Postgrad Problems that ended in a similar fashion to both sites I just mentioned, just on a smaller scale. Our goal was to create a community of people who should share one common thread. They need distraction from the slog of the 9 to 5 grind. My job wasn't to strategize how to get these people to the site or how to analyze data that of bounce rates or returning customers. It was solely to write columns, edit columns, and promote them as I saw fit. And honestly, I think we did a hell of a job when it comes to finding our way into the readership's routine. I mean, hell, sometimes I still find myself typing in POS in my browser as if I'm checking to see if anyone's published anything that day. But all I'll see if I go there is an irrelevant website with columns I never would have dreamt of publishing for reasons I don't think I need to explain. After naturally finding myself on Man Repeller yesterday because of that muscle memory, I began to analyze the routine I've recently found myself in online. I feel like I don't have those trademark sites that I used to check daily as distraction from work. These days, I visit the same things I'd be visiting on my phone. Twitter to see what's happening that day, or maybe even just click some columns. Instagram to distract myself and perhaps get some work done by saving some photos and just looking at what people are doing. 
Tumblr to source photos for various projects, and even Reddit to see the side of the internet that I should be ignoring. I became sad. I found myself scrolling down a website that I know will never be brought back to life with the same zest that I had for it when I first discovered it. It made me revisit certain columns that I used to love, even a couple columns that I had published myself on there. It was like going through texts of an old friend to wonder where it all went wrong. I realized that not only had I lost a positive distraction in my life, but I had more so allowed worse and more time-consuming distractions to seep in. I knew I had to make a change, but I also knew it would probably be only a few days before I went back to my old ways. I cleared my browser history so that when I type in certain URLs, I wouldn't even be tempted to go there anymore. I took to Twitter to find out what everyone was reading these days, but my tweet soliciting recommendations was admittedly pretty lazy and lackluster. I began bookmarking websites in a folder called Read that I'll probably forget is even there by mid next week. I even considered subscribing to something paid like the New York Times or The Cut or New York Magazine to alter how I go about navigating the internet. Distracting ourselves in our free time is like building a house, brick by brick. Every personal essay we read finds its way to a place in our brain that you may not use often, but it affects your thinking moving forward. Every podcast we listen to becomes a shared experience between ourselves and the hosts, and every social media feed we scroll becomes a fleeting and temporary distraction that we retain very little of. In a way, my job is still trying to find my way into people's rotations. Some people listen to this podcast every Sunday, some every Monday at work. Others check in periodically while I'm sure only a few listen when I have my wife on because everyone likes her more than me. And that's completely fine. I do too. The creative outlets we choose to support and digest are the bricks that build the house that our personalities are shaped by. So the next time you find yourself hate reading something just because it's a part of your routine, just ask yourself, is this really where I want to live? In life, there's a lot of times that we're offered a lot of different options and you don't really know how to decipher through them. The option with something extra always makes your choice easier. And as the first hard seltzer with antioxidant vitamin C, Vizzy brings something unique and delicious to the table. You need to grab yourself a drink that can do both with Vizzy Hard Seltzer. Vizzy is the first hard seltzer crafted with antioxidant vitamin C, and it's extracted from acerola cherry, a superfruit with 30 times more vitamin C per cup than an orange. There are plenty of hard seltzers to choose from, but with eight bold and delicious flavors, they're even dual fruit, which I, no one else is doing that, and antioxidant vitamin C, Vizzy makes the choice a little easier and a lot tastier. Some of my favorites were their originals, pineapple, mango, black cherry, lime, strawberry, kiwi, and blueberry pomegranate, but this year they've got a bunch of new flavors out there that are definitely worth trying. Papaya passion fruit, watermelon strawberry, blackberry lemon, and raspberry tangerine. In April, Vizzy also launched their own lemonade hard seltzer in four delicious flavors, watermelon, peach, strawberry, and raspberry, with the same antioxidant vitamin C. My favorite flavors are still black cherry lime, blueberry pomegranate, and I've recently started to take to the watermelon strawberry, but I have to say, as far as the entire lineup goes, you will not find more hard seltzers that taste as good as each one of these compared to all the competitors. It never hurts to add some vitamins and antioxidants to the mix, and with Vizzy you can enjoy refreshment, now with antioxidant vitamin C. At 5% ABV, 100 calories, and less than one gram of real cane sugar per can, every sip of Vizzy is more exhilarating. Vizzy Lemonade even has zero grams of sugar for, per 12 ounce serving. I mean, that's pretty darn good if you're asking me. Upgrade your hard seltzer to Vizzy. To find out where you can purchase Vizzy, go to VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash washed. That's VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash washed. You must be 21 or older.
Next week marks six years since I moved away from my hometown. Hometowns, for all intents and purposes, leave a lasting impression on us as human beings. Good or bad, we're all shaped in some way by the place that we are brought up in. I was lucky. I grew up in a resort town where not a lot happened. Our summers last three months almost exactly, with perfect weather and days on the lake. And our winters were long and slow. Maybe too long at times, but long enough to make sure that you enjoyed your summers when they, when they actually arrived. I think I'm rare in that I actually enjoyed living in my hometown after I was 18. I don't think a lot of people enjoy that. I enjoyed it so much that there was a long period of my life in my 20s when I had mentally committed to living there forever. We all have things in our lives that we'd like to change, but for me, my hometown never really felt to be in that category. That is, until I got a job offer I couldn't turn down in Texas. Relocating was something I never had put much thought into. It was probably just because I never saw myself getting a job worth moving for, but more so that I felt content where I was. The deep connection I'd forged over the two plus decades was a bond that I didn't really want to break. I was recently asked by somebody, was there ever a time that you wish you hadn't moved away from your hometown? My natural reaction was to simply answer, I mean, I guess so, but in reality, I didn't really have an actual answer at the time. There are two types of people in the world, people who live to work and people who work to live. Think about which one you are. Think about what drives you. Do you crave professional success or do you work a job that simply pays the bills? Either answer is totally okay. I think I've experienced both at various times in my life. But as I thought about that very question, whether or not I regretted moving away, I had somewhat of an emotional reaction. Where I grew up has everything I could have ever needed in life. My family and friends, familiarity, perfect scenery, and a cadence of living that I regularly miss down in Texas. Had I stayed there, there's no doubt in my mind that I would have been happy. It's just, it's just the facts. But when I think about where I am now, married with a job I love, a baby on the way, living in a city that most people would rush to live in given the opportunity, I realize that all those things that I just listed, from the familiarity of my hometown to the city that gave me professional opportunities, they're all things I took for granted at one point or another. When I drove to the airport to fly during my move down here, the trees smelled different to me than they had over the last few years. The conversations that I had with my father in the car weighed on me a little bit more. I held back a lot of tears because I was giving up so much of the things that I loved. But when looking back on that decision to relocate, I truly do think that I'd do it all over again without thinking twice. Our surroundings, be them your hometown, where you moved after college, or where you currently live now, they shape us in a way that we can't put into words. Hindsight can be both kind and harsh when you reflect on these places. I've always wanted to be one of those work-to-live people that I mentioned earlier. But when the idea of relocating for work comes up, the fact that I took the opportunity to move for a job without flinching, it makes me feel kind of conflicted inside. Am I true to myself or do I let opportunity take control? Unfortunately, I'm not sure I have much more of an answer to that than simply saying everything happens for a reason. Relocating didn't change the person that my hometown turned me into, but it surely changed the trajectory of my life, both personally and professionally. So whether I'm working to live or living to work, I just hope the living part continues to outweigh the working part, wherever those parts may be on a map. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter at SundayScaries and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries, or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at WillDefreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.